0: A b-b-b-bonus episode! A freebie bonus episode. You guys are already cutting up. We're just getting started here today. I
1: thought I, thought I heard an extra <laughs> at the end there.
0: Sometimes I get a little overexcited. Yeah. It's or a couple extra
2: <laughs> Man, My stomach's hurting over here.
0: Well, so we have a free bonus episode for everybody we're doing today. Yeah. And... Patrons, don't worry. Your bonus episode comes out tomorrow, Friday, so hang in there with us. But we had a really cool uh, chance to interview one of uh, your fellow uh, listeners and a patron of the show, uh, Heather Dobson, who has been listening, I think, from the beginning um, since we did, what, Ed Gein uh, over a year ago. Yeah, day one patron. Yeah, and a day one patron. Heather Dobson is a real-life ghost hunter who wrote a book, Memoirs of a Future Ghost, which kind of talks about her life, her upbringing, and her um, process and uh, ways she overcame her fears of death, and has a really cool story. So she reached out to us, sent us all copies of her books, uh, of of her book, and um, we reached out back to her and asked if she wanted to do an interview for the show, and we decided we didn't want to keep it just for the patrons, we wanted to put it out there for everybody.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really fun interview too. And yeah, she reached out, wanted to do an ad with us. I'm like shit. How about we do this instead? Yeah, we'll do a we whole just goddamn do an show.
0: <laughs> and to be clear, Ian, you did the interview. I don't want to take credit yeah, for your no, no. work. Yeah. Dave and I will not be a, a, a part of the, the meat of this episode, but Well you guys sent me questions. Well, and you you're the interview know. extraordinaire.
2: Supposedly. Yeah.
0: yeah. I guess we'll find out here in a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, so she sent us all copies of the book. Uh, With we personal
1: were... notes at the beginning?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I found it
1: really entertaining. And as she as she expected, uh, Chapter 7 was my favorite chapter of the book, just like she predicted. And so what might
0: that chapter have been about?
1: I'm going to leave it, uh, wait till you get to that chapter yourself. Okay, look listeners. at that. Boom. I don't
0: want to spoil it. All right.
1: Teasers. Chapter yeah. 7, though. Good chapter.
0: Teasers. She had a nice note in my uh, book um, that was addressed to me that said it, this might not be as good as Blue Chew, but here you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not many things are as good as Blue Chew. <laughs> I wouldn't know. They still haven't sent me a goddamn sample. <laughs> been giving them free ads for the last six months. Send me some damn Blue Chew. Give you an awesome promo on that. Um, but yeah, so anyways, Ian, uh, you spoke with her earlier today, right?
2: Yeah, it was a really fun conversation. And we even got into some little bit of Mothman. All kind of fun stuff.
0: Mothman uh, available in our ar- archives. It's a two-part <laughs> series. Go back and check that out as well. One of my you, favorites. If you're interested, after wh- hearing uh, Heather and Ian talk about that,
2: yeah, because she's from West Virginia originally. Yeah, so she was. Did ra- she, did was she, right she right mention there.
1: all of the? Uh... Uh, Jokes we make at the expense of people from West Virginia? She did not. Oh, that's nice of her.
0: (laughs) Well, she's in uh, Atlanta now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, She got the hell out of there. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a really fun story in the book, too, about waking up in the middle of the night in a hotel room and thinking that the uh, Mothman was there staring at her. And I'll leave it at that, and you can check it out in the book. But it's a fun little little, uh, excerpt. So... Anyways, thank you very much to, uh, to Heather Dobson. Her uh, book is called memoirs of a future ghost. And I think uh, at the end here, we'll, we'll uh, provide you with more information in the uh, social media ways to um, get in touch with her. All right, let's go to it. Boom.
2: Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me because as a self published author, I am, (laughs) you know, getting my name out there is the hardest part. And, I absolutely love your All's podcast. I've listened to it from the first episode and it it's like you guys step into my brain. Thank every day. <laughs> yeah. Every episode. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I I'm, I'm sure with uh self publishing, yeah, that 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 can't be easy.
3: No, and I'm I'm you know, I'm not very good at self marketing and now that the book is out there, you know, in the midst of writing the second one, I've got to advertise myself and market and it's the hardest thing. So.
2: Right. Just to start off, can you give me some background into, uh, into how you got into the world of paranormal research? And did you have an experience, or that got you into it, or is it just something you've always been interested in?
3: Um, I've always been interested in it. I grew up in West Virginia, which you know is the land of the X Files. You guys have talked about the Mothman and the Flatwoods Monster. And my father was very fond of ghost stories and aliens and that type of thing. And we would discuss it a lot. And then I grew up and moved to Georgia, got married and settled here. And I'd had a couple of experiences, but nothing major. And it, you know, my interest in, the para- in becoming a paranormal investigator mainly stemmed from my fear of death and my anxiety over that. And so, I knew that I had to deal with it, and I, I did eventually learn some coping mechanisms, but then I had children, and it, the focus went from my death to their inevitable death, and all this whole lot in the world wasn't going to help me deal with it, and so I knew I needed to face it and figure out what happens after death. Religion wasn't answering those questions for me. I needed the answers myself, and so I found a local paranormal group that was willing to let me join, and I started investigating. I've been doing it now for 12 years, and the things that I've experienced and have hap- have had happened to me have given me the answers that I need to calm me down regarding um, death and the possibility of an afterlife. So, that's really why I did it.
2: What inspired you to write your book about it?
3: I, like everyone else, watch all of the paranormal reality shows. I started watching Ghost Hunters when they first came on. Gosh, like 2007, I guess, or Mm -hmm. maybe before then. And, you know, in investigating the paranormal, you realize what it's really like on investigations, and it's nothing like what Mr. Zach Bagans likes to portray. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, it was mainly just frustration with watching the reality shows. And, you know, over the 12 years of doing this, I realized that investigating the paranormal is more about the living than it is the dead. And so I wanted to bring that out and talk about that in my book, as well as point out the fact that um, so many times, you know, in Hollywood, negativity sells and the scares sell. And the same is on reality TV. You know, it's all about the drama. And i wanted to show people that it's it's not like that it's not scary it's not terrifying and it's um you know more boring and more um enlightening and more of a calming experience than anything else so
2: since you brought up ghost hunters yeah going into this interview i already planned to ask you about your opinion on ghost hunting shows and yeah. in your book, you, you detailed an experience that you had with the people from ghost hunters. Can you just, can you mm-hmm. share that experience?
3: Well, ironically enough, I've never been able to investigate with them. Um, I have met Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson a couple of times, um, down here in Atlanta, the big sci-fi fantasy convention is Dragon Con. And, you know, my paranormal group has spoken there a couple of, you know, a few years. And, I have met them on a casual basis. I haven't been able to investigate with them. They are nice. They're very polite. They're very personable. I will say that um, I have problems with Grant, mainly because I'm fairly certain that he's faked evidence um, a handful of times on Ghost Hunters, the TV show. And I know now that he has gone off and taken Ghost Hunters in a different direction, and, and Jason and Dave Tango and Steve Gonsalves are doing Ghost Nation. Um, but they're, they're very nice gentlemen. Um, I've met Amy Bruni and I've actually was supposed to be a part of a panel, um, that she was on. It was supposed to be women in the paranormal panel and she, um, ditched us, I guess, because we weren't interesting enough for her to be a part of the panel or we weren't famous enough. Um, but I mean, overall, they seem to be nice. Of course, they're not going to be mean or nasty. But um, I do have my opinions on them right. and what they do. I think of I think of all of them. I would I would much rather investigate with um, Jason, Stephen, Tango than any of the others. So,
2: so when you pursue an investigation, what are some mm-hmm. of the uh, the first things you're looking for?
3: Um, honestly, the first things we're looking for. I mean, we'll do an interview, a phone interview with a client, just to make sure what it is that we're walking into, um, because we have walked into uncomfortable situations like trash hoarders and. Um, very unsafe um, houses that need a lot of renovation work that we should have never been brought into um, just because they're structurally unsound. But mostly what we're looking for is, you know, any sort of occurrences that we can't explain naturally. We want to know, and we're, we're asking the client, Hey, have you had any plumbing issues? Have you had any electrical issues? Have you called in an electrician or a plumber? Have you, have you called in an architect? Do you have wildlife in your attic? And so what we're trying to look for is all of the rational explanations that could possibly be causing um, the occurrences that the client's talking about, you know, are or the, or the cabinets really level? Is that why the doors keep opening and closing by themselves? And so once we have, you know, put away all of the rational explanations, And we will actually go into the home and try to rationally explain everything and try to recreate the evidence. Um, And if we cannot do that, then of course we investigate, we try to capture evidence of what it is that the client's experiencing. And if we can do that, if we can capture that evidence or have those same experiences without any rational explanation behind them, then it just backs up their claims of the paranormal and they probably do have something happening in their home that, you know, Um, on the paranormal side of things. We also like to go in with our team split in two. We like to have members of our team who know everything and members of our team who know absolutely nothing except for the the address of the client's house. And so if we have, so if if the part of the team that knows everything has experiences similar to the client and the half of the team that knows nothing Has experiences similar to the clients, then again, that just backs up the claims of the paranormal and what's happening. Um, So we do like to try to conduct our investigations scientifically with a control group and an experimental group, and you know that just you know makes it less of a junk science and makes it more acceptable. So
2: have you ever gotten any like hoaxes that you guys have been tricked into that you actually Um, like had to go out and investigate and it turned out to be uh, just somebody making up stuff?
3: You know, we have not, not that we've known of. We haven't, um, ever had anybody call us out specifically to investigate and it's just been a ruse. Um, I mean, there have been a few times that I've most of, you know, sometimes the paranormal claims, I think are definitely psychological in nature. And I, we have had to tell clients, look, um, I think a lot of what you're reporting is, something that you need to see a counselor for or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And of course they don't appreciate that advice and they call in another paranormal group. Um, you know, most, you know, everything that we've been called in on the the people are very sincere and they do truly believe that something paranormal is happening. Um, but sometimes we've had to give them a real answer of what we think is happening as a third party standing outside looking in. And sometimes it's not a very comfortable, um, suggestion that we make
2: right um yeah. did what was your first experience while hunting that made you like 100% know that uh that there was there's definitely something paranormal going on and
3: um there's a mall here in the Atlanta area one of the many you know suburban malls and it had five anchor stores you know like a, a Macy's and a, a Sears that type of thing and one of the anchor stores um had shut down. It had gone bankrupt and it had closed. And so the mall was using that space as storage for Christmas and holiday decorations and kiosks and that type of thing. And the security company, the security guards, they kept having experiences in this one anchor store that they couldn't explain. And so they actually called us in to investigate. So we're in this large two-story, you know, empty space. And there was light coming in from the parking lot. And there was light coming in from the mall. They had the the doorways to the mall boarded up, but there was still light coming in. And our group was investigating the downstairs part of the old department store, and the other group was upstairs. And the only way up and down, the elevators had been shut off, was via the escalator that was also turned off. So you had to use it like a staircase. And of course, with it being metal steps, you you couldn't sneak up or down those escalator steps. It was really obvious when anyone came down. And there was enough ambient light that you could see. So we'd investigated the main floor. We'd gone all around it. And we decided, let's just settle down really quietly in the children's department. Let's just be really quiet, not make any sounds, and just observe. So we all settled down around a column, and I was facing the escalator. And you could see that ambient light coming in. And I'm watching the escalator, and out of nowhere appears a black shadow. It's absolutely just You know, like Banta Black, I think is like the new black. It looks like a black hole when anybody paints anything that color. Right. That's what it looked like. It was Banta Black and it was a person. And it walked across the the base of the escalator. It was soundless and then it just disappeared. And I remember just sitting there thinking, did I just see that? And it took me a second or two before I voiced if any, you know, asked if anyone else had seen that. And the guy sitting next to me said, yeah, I wondered if you were going to say anything. And it just blew my mind. And we tried to recreate it. We tried. And any time one of us made that same walk, you could clearly see the person's features because there was enough light filtering in from the mall and the parking lot upstairs that you could see the person. And then where that shadow appeared and walked are the metal plates at the base of the escalator. So it was nearly impossible to walk across that without making a sound. Um, the other team hadn't come downstairs. You know, there was a lot of discussion of did anybody come down? Did anybody sneak down? We did a search of that first floor. We couldn't find anyone. I still to this day can't figure out what that was. Was that truly um, an apparition? Was it a shadow person? Was it a spirit? Uh, I have no idea, but it was, it was pretty amazing and it definitely got me hooked. It was about a year after I first started investigating that I saw that.
2: Because I'm I'm super interested in uh, poltergeist stuff. I, I I love poltergeist stories. Have you you guys ever investigated anything any poltergeist stuff?
3: We have had cases where the clients do claim that they have objects moving and flying across the room, but of course, when we go to investigate, we're there for a small window of time, and a, you know, like you know, ghosts and poltergeists and spirits don't. So- you know, just happen on command. Right. And so we've never been able to record anything like that. Now we have had, um, so we haven't had any very active poltergeist cases that have been called in. And of course, one of the questions we ask, of course, is do you have any children living in your house and how old are they? And we've found too that poltergeist activity is not just associated with, you know, adolescents and teens. It can also be associated with anyone going through any major physical changes. You know, if somebody's having, um, you know, cancer treatments, that's, that's changing a lot of chemi- chemistry of the body. Um, also, you know, going through menopause or anything of that nature can also be a major change that can cause sort of those poltergeist activity um, instances. So we always ask about the age and any changes in health and that type of thing. And so, But we haven't really encountered a poltergeist. Now, I will say that we do have video of an object moving. And what was fascinating about this, this is now why whenever we watch our video evidence, we watch it uh, fast forwarded because this was something we didn't notice until one of us had scrubbed the mouse over the video and noticed one of our um, pieces of equipment moving across a nightstand. And it happened over the course of 20 minutes. And it was like, It's really slow movement but when you sped it up to a half minute you could really tell that the REM pod moved several inches across the uh nightstand by itself
2: that's interesting and it's very
3: yeah and it's a really heavy piece of equipment we went back and checked the um nightstand is level um we tried to jump up and down and you know do all the things that would cause vibration that would make it move and didn't move It it required somebody pushing it or something pushing it. And so over the span of 20 minutes, that little REM pod just kind of scooted its way across the nightstand. So, yeah, that's the only time we've ever caught anything physically moving on camera. So
2: We were checking out uh, last night, Mike, Dave, and I were uh, were texting, and we were looking at at your guys' website, the uh, paranormalgeorgia.com and we, yeah. we came across a video of a door opening by itself. Can you yeah. share that story? Because that was a really cool video.
3: Oh, yeah, that was um, Old uh, old South Pittsburgh Hospital. It's a place in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, 30 minutes west of Chattanooga, and it's a little town, and they had a, a, a hospital, a regional hospital, that closed down in the late 80s, early 90s, and the only reason why it shut down was People were traveling to Chattanooga for their health care and the hospital just there in South Pittsburgh couldn't stay in business. Well, like many hospitals and reports of, you know, hospitals being hotbeds of paranormal activity, the people who uh, bought the hospital Essentially, they opened it for paranormal research. You could go in, you could rent it for the night, you could stay there for 22 hours, sleep there, investigate there. You had the run of the place. And it's changed hands over the last few years. And the current owners have really done a great job of cleaning it up and spiffing it up. And it, it's, you know, before when I would go investigate there with my team, it was covered in mold. It was disgusting. Now it's a place that I don't, I don't worry that I'm taking my life into my hands by going there. But this was the first time we'd ever investigated there. And that video was taken at about 8, 8.30 in the morning. And so there were reports of whatever was up there, like to open and close the doors. And that was the old drunk tank, I guess you could say. That was the portion of the hospital where it was like the temporary psych hold area. And it was until, you know, they could get transportation to Chattanooga. And so we decided, let's open doors on opposite sides of the hallway and see if anything will close those doors. Well, I had opened my door. Jordan, my fellow investigator, tried to get his door to stay open and it wouldn't stay open. So he he gave up and just closed it. And in the video, you can hear him pulling it to and it clicking. And so we then gathered up in the middle of the hallway. And I know the video you're talking about, there's a long span of quiet and us moving around, just trying to make sure we're all gathered in one spot. And then our investigator, Tammy, asked Buddy, the the name that the caretakers had given to the spirit up there, if he could close the door for us. Well, instead, you actually hear the click of the door handle as it's being turned and the door slammed open. And what's fascinating about those doors, those aren't hollow doors. Those are solid hospital doors. The door opens and actually slams. You can hear it hit the wall twice. It opened with such force and then it stayed open. Um, that, that building no longer has an, a, an operational HVAC system. The windows don't open. So there wasn't any sort of pressure change due to a window being opened or another door being opened or closed. There wasn't anyone in that room. Um, and so it's absolutely fascinating to me that whatever was there opened that door and kept it open, a door that Jordan couldn't get to stay open. And so that was one of the, that was the very first thing we ever caught on camera. And it was, it was exhilarating. It was just incredibly exhilarating. And it's one of my favorite occurrences that's happened to us to this day.
2: Yeah. The, the video is really cool.
3: Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you guys got to see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. We were, uh, we were going through the website last night. Awesome. You sent us each a copy of the book, and you, you yeah. wrote us some notes in it, which I, I was cracking up over uh, Mike's Blue Chew. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, sorry.
3: sorry, I'm not Blue Chew. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you you said that there was a chapter that Dave would like, yeah. w- which he did. Yeah, So good. regarding that chapter in atheism, can you – kind of share your theories on how that plays into the afterlife cuz i know from looking into to paranormal stuff and and being on paranormal boards sometimes a lot of times religion gets thrown into stuff a lot right so i was just curious on your on your theories with atheism and in the afterlife
3: right and of course this took many years you know i was born and raised presbyterian and um And I never, it never really fit with me. And so it took a lot of years for me to finally admit that I was an atheist. You know, I went through the the gymnastics of, oh, I'm just a deist or, oh, I'm just an agnostic or, you know, okay, finally, I'm an atheist. And I don't think that a a lack of a supreme being um, means that there is no afterlife. Um, I don't know. Have you, have you read The Martian by Andy Weir?
2: No, I have not.
3: Okay. he. um, It's a great book. But prior to that, he wrote a short story called The Egg. And I remember reading that short story and thinking, oh my gosh, that's my theology. That's like, it's like he stepped in my head and, and wrote this based on my thoughts of the afterlife that I've had my entire life, even as a child. This idea that we are all the same entity. We are all bits of whatever consciousness exists out there that we are all the same entity sent here and sent wherever else in the universe to experience life and to grow and to evolve into whatever we're going to be um and in the short story you know the the gentleman dies in a car accident he he meets himself and he's told you're me and i'm you and i'm now going to send you back to, you know, 16th century China as a young girl to live a life there and that time is fluid and that, you know, when we exact vengeance and violence on ourselves, on each other, we're just doing it to ourselves because we're all the same being. And I absolutely love that. I, I love that. Now explaining, you know, why that person didn't get born into another life, why that person got stuck. So to speak, um, a lot of times I think it's the idea of a residual haunting, where it's just a recording that's playing over and over again. Um, but the idea of the intelligent haunting that can answer your questions and and that sort of thing, I, I don't, I still don't have an explanation for that. I still am not sure of that. But um, I, I do think that we are all of the same consciousness, and that we all are here to experience life and to hopefully evolve somehow as a mass consciousness.
2: Yeah, the, the collective consciousness stuff always uh, always interests me. Like if somebody gets a head injury or something, and then all of a sudden they can speak a different language and they could never speak it before, you know, stuff like that.
3: Right, right. And then why, you know, why is my, you know, why was my five-year-old when he saw pictures of the Titanic? Why was he absolutely drawn to that? and, you know, wanted to know more and researched it as a little kid. He has just been his entire life fascinated with it. And it's not like I've got pictures of, you know, shipwrecks sitting around the house and that kind of thing. It's something that he's drawn to. So is it something that he experienced in a previous consciousness? I I, I don't know. So it's those types of questions that um, make me wonder that. And, and experiences that I've had investigating the paranormal. It's like, what's going on here? What is this? And, and then, of course, there's the idea that, you know, okay, well, the, the multiple quantum universes, every choice that is laid out before me that I can make during the day, I don't make just one choice. I make every choice because every choice splits off into a new universe, into a, into a parallel quantum universe, millions and billions of them. So is it really your deceased uncle that you're hearing on the stairs, walking up and down the stairs, or is it somebody else from a parallel universe and that you're experiencing that slip or that merging of the two universes and there's somebody else on the stairs and they're wondering, what is that figure on the landing? So I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm doing this.
2: That's getting into the realm of uh, my stuff (laughs) with the aliens and stuff.
3: Exactly. And, and John Keel's idea of, you know, it's not, extraterrestrials, it's ultra terrestrials and that they exist here alongside us just at a different, you know, frequency. And you know, with that whole idea and I, I yeah, I could just go on for days. So.
2: Yeah. His window theory uh, or his window area theory is really, uh, really interesting.
3: Mm-hmm, it is. And uh, yeah, I remember reading the Mothman as a kid and just my mind being blown and thinking, oh my gosh, this explains so many things. And yeah so
2: i love it yeah that's that's actually the book that got me into the paranormal back i i think like fourth or fifth grade maybe somehow i got a hold Mm -hmm. of that book and yeah Yeah. i I was hooked ever since mothman was my first thing and i i was hooked ever since then that's awesome so with the going to the window area thing is there a Mm -hmm. state or area that you guys have investigated that's more active than others
3: um i mean all of our investigations are pretty much focused in in georgia just because of where we're located and we investigate private homes and businesses and then you know for fun we've gone to brushy mountain state penitentiary in tennessee old south pittsburgh hospital in tennessee and waverly hills in kentucky but what i do find interesting is that idea of is it the 37th parallel or the 38th parallel
2: yeah with the um, um yeah like the magnetism and yeah all the ufo yeah, sightings and, and everything
3: exactly and it runs right through west virginia um and so okay is it is it truly something going on at, at that location across the planet because of that location and the magnetism or is it because of the people who settled there and have brought their stories with them, you know, because that's, you know, the best place to settle as far as, you know, agriculture and crops. And they all have their stories of the fairies and the and the, uh, you know, the, the, the monsters in the woods and that kind of thing. So but I mean, you know, I feel like and it's not and I'm not biased because I'm from there. It's just literally there's crazy crap going on in West Virginia constantly. And so, and I, I just feel like it's that area of the United States, especially with all the UFO sighting and everything going on through there that is really interesting to me. We personally, our group has not found an area that seems to be more paranormally active than anywhere else. Now, I will say that where I live here in Georgia is very close to where General Sherman and a few thousand of his closest friends came marching down um, through Georgia on their way to Savannah, and so it's interesting that my husband's office is right by a major highway, and that major highway is literally where Sherman marched down um, back in the 19th century. And you know, I've you know sort of overheard in different businesses along that highway that they have activity because this building was used as a field hospital, and this building was used, you know, for this function, and this one was burned and. So it does seem like that trail down through Georgia has a lot of activity. My fellow paranormal investigator, he is a photographer. And so on the anniversary, I think it was the 150th anniversary of each of those battles down on Sherman's March to the Sea, he went and took photos to do like before and after shots of Tunnel Hill and Resaca and New Hope Church and those places. And he had experiences that were fascinating. You know, one of these areas where um, the the soldiers were, were pinned in, you know, a, a low-lying depressive area in the landscape. And he said he walked up to that area to take pictures and he could taste blood in his mouth. Um, he would go to take photographs near Kennesaw Mountain Battlefield and he said he could hear the clanking of the canteen um, and the packs that the soldiers were wearing. Nobody else was around. So it's just, I do think that there is an area nearby here where there's a lot of activity, but just mainly because of what happened here over 150 years ago.
2: Have you ever had a really negative experience while investigating?
3: Um, I have not. Now, I was on an investigation where a fellow um, investigator felt like she had been punched in the stomach by something. And what was interesting about that was we had all separated and we were you know fairly close to one another. It was a home, um, but we were all in different rooms because, you know, we found that typically when we investigate, we'll settle into a room and start our investigation. And then the noises seem to happen in other rooms. So it's almost like we've scared it away. It's hiding. So on this investigation, we decided to spread out and stop that from happening. And the clients were in the room with her and asked her, hey, you know, are you sensitive? Are you psychic or are you anything? And Stephanie responded, oh, I wouldn't know if it was here if it walked up to me and smacked me. Well, about five minutes later, she felt like something had punched her in the stomach and she cried out. And we all ran in and what's going on? What's going on? What's wrong? And she tells us. And she, was, she said she was pretty sore for about a week. She said it felt like she'd done one too many sit-ups and she actually had nightmares for a couple of weeks afterwards. So I've been lucky and fortunate to have never had anything negative happen to me, um, but it has happened on our investigations before to other investigators.
2: In contrast to the negative, Mike mm-hmm. specifically was wondering if you had any, um, any funny experiences or, or pleasant experiences while you, while you were out investigating.
3: Probably the most pleasant experience was at Old South Pittsburgh Hospital, the night before a group had come in and had done a lot of provoking and they'd brought out an Ouija board and they, they were just generally not very nice and cooperative. And the caretaker met us at the door and said, I don't know what your investigation is going to be like because they stirred it up last night. And so we all decided, okay, you know, absolutely no provoking. We don't do it anyway, but let's just not do that. Let's just be courteous and whatever's here and you know, not be nasty. So the next morning, a couple of us were down the hall doing some investigating. And what's interesting is that, of course, this hospital hasn't had an operational kitchen in decades. There's a little break room with a microwave and, you know, and a toaster if you want to put some Pop-Tarts in when you're tired the next morning, you can, but there's not a, a working kitchen. And so we were down the hall investigating and another investigator comes down and says, do you smell that? We're like, what are you talking about? He's like, I smell breakfast. Like I smell bacon and eggs and coffee. And we're like, oh, we don't smell anything. So he went back to where he was um, staying, the, the patient room where he had set up his air mattress. And Christina and I were still down the hallway. And suddenly what wafted past us, it was almost like an orderly was, taking a tray of food down past it and it literally did smell like bacon and eggs and biscuits and coffee and just all those wonderful breakfast smells and it almost felt like the whole building was thanking us for not being dicks the night before <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh my god and you know of course then I, i'm double i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm wondering okay what is around here what are the restaurants and but you know the like i said before the windows aren't open the doors aren't open you know, the only business close to it is um, like a gas station down the hill from it. Everything else around that hospital is residential. It's just all houses and townhomes and apartment buildings, no restaurants whatsoever. So I couldn't explain that. Nobody was cooking anything in the microwave, but it, it did literally smell like somebody walked by with breakfast on a tray. It was amazing. And that's probably one of my most, favorite experiences on an investigation
2: what's up with the whole being aggressive to ghosts on those shows or or to i'm trying to think of the name of the one specifically my wife used to watch it all the time
3: yeah
2: yeah what's what's the deal with with being so (laughs) aggressive all the time
3: well you know i don't know why in the paranormal community it's this thing where you visit different groups, websites, and it's all dark and, you know, they're all posed up with their serious faces and, you know, very gothic. And I I, I don't understand the the Ed Hardy look and I, I don't get it. And the only thing I can figure out is that it makes him look macho and that negativity and overly dramatic cells. That's all I can figure out because I remember when they did their first documentary and it was like a two hour long documentary of, of Zach and Aaron and Nick. And they'd gone out to one of those old silver mining ghost towns. And I actually, I think they actually caught um, uh, video footage of a brick being thrown. And I loved that documentary. That just absolutely had me snagged from the beginning. And then as the years went by and they got the TV show deal and it kept going, it's just become sort of a farce it's you know i don't i i appreciate that it's on the travel channel and that they'll have travel information thrown in there you know hey come to um the okay corral because you know there's like ice cream store over here and there's this and you can go do that that's interesting but the actual investigating part it, it drives me nuts because that is the worst way to investigate if there actually truly is something paranormal there it's going to respond negatively to you. And it's like anybody else. If you walk into somebody's house and you start yelling at them and, and and getting up in their face and getting an attitude, people are going to respond poorly. Well, ghosts are were once living people. And so, you know, the, the hypothesis that they were once living people. So if you're going in there with an attitude, that's what you're going to be met with. And in my opinion, you're going to catch more flies with honey than you are with vinegar. So, you know, Always be courteous. Always be kind. And unfortunately, you know, being nice doesn't always sell on TV.
2: Yeah, that, that's always the one thing that I that I always uh, that always stuck out to me. I'm, all, and I'm like, why why does everybody got to be so mean to the ghosts all the time? And
3: I uh, <laughs> exactly what did they do to you? Right,
2: right. I hopped on our uh, our Discord chat today and asked anybody if they had any questions. So I'm just gonna throw mm-hmm. out some questions that, yeah. that people had. Yeah. What movie do you think accurately depicts a real haunting?
3: Oh, wow. Um, oh my gosh, that's hard. <laughs> that's really hard. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the horror movies that I've seen and all the scary movies that I've seen.
2: I, re- I really um, like, um, I'm trying the, the one, I think it's a conjuring too the, the bases around the, uh, the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah. Even though they make uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren out to be like superheroes in that movie. um,
3: And they're not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's one that I really liked.
3: Yeah. Um, Of course, the very first one I ever saw was The Exorcist. But from what I understand of demonic cases, they can be that bad, if not worse. But I've never been on a demonic case to see with my own two eyes. Um, I would have to say that probably. The the movie that I think most accurately portrays what we do and what it's like would probably be paranormal activity. Just that whole found footage, and that when stuff happens, it's when you least expect it and it can cause you to jump out of your skin. And of course, all the Hollywood movies are, are over the top anyway, but I would have to say that movie in particular really piqued my interest as far as what it's like when. Things of a paranormal nature happen around you, and you don't expect it, um, because that's that's the scariest part of it. Is that you know, even even though we're walking into it, wanting things to happen to us, and expecting things to happen to us, it's still very surprising when it does, and it'll make like you jump out of your skin, even though you don't want to.
2: How do you deal with skeptics of your profession? Um, do you just let it roll I off your shoulders, that, or I
3: just I just let it roll. I just let it roll off my shoulders. And I always invite people, I tell people, you know, I can't bring you with me on a private client investigation because, you know, people want to keep their privacy. And, you know, we actually, when we take on new investigators, we go through a six month training period. You know, we do a background check to make sure people are, you know, to make sure people are who they say they are and that they're not dishonest or um, that they haven't been in jail or anything like that. But I tell people, you know, once or twice a year, we try to go on the fun investigations, like, hey, let's run out Waverly Hills and go up there for a night. And I tell people, come with me, you are more than welcome to come with me and investigate and to see these things happen. Because I I can't explain them. And I can't convince you that the best way to do it is to go experience it for yourself. And so and if they don't want to do it, it's like, that's fine. And, you know, it's like, talking to people about religion or, or, or politics or anything else like we're just going to have to agree to disagree and that's and that's fine and i'm fine with that
2: have you guys ever encountered the ghost of an animal before
3: oh yes um okay so and that's actually another video clip that we have on our on our youtube um account we had a gentleman who you know had a lot of activity going on in his house and. You know, ex Marine, he had some PTSD stuff going on. So of course, his response to it was to jump out of bed with a fully loaded firearm to shoot whatever was there. (laughs) We're like, all right, simmer down. You don't have to do that. And that's not going to help anyway. We investigated his house. And what's interesting is that, you know, we'll set up our infrared cameras and, you know, we make sure we know the location of windows in case a car drives by and there's headlights, you know, that kind of thing. And We'll hit record and then after we hit record and after we get everything set up, that's when we decide, okay, this team will go in, then this team and we'll do this and we'll do that. So we had set up our cameras and one of our cameras was focused, was in his living room and focused on his bedroom door and the door was closed because he said he had things happening. He was seeing shadows in the living room and we had just hit record and we were all still in the garage when this happened. But there weren't any windows behind the camera or to the right of the camera. There were a couple of windows to the left, but those blinds were closed. And that was the backyard. And there weren't any roads behind the house. What's fascinating is that you see a shadow and it's rather low to the ground, go from right to left of the screen and then left to right. Tried, you know, We did everything we could to make sure this wasn't like an infrared, like some kind of artifact from the camera. Wasn't anything like that. Couldn't, couldn't recreate it, couldn't figure it out. And when I showed it to the client, he went, oh my God, that's my dog. He said, that's what my dog used to do. We would sit there and watch TV and he would run back and forth in the living room and finally settle down. And the shadow was low. It was like coffee table height. When he when we sat and thought it and, and put back together everything that he'd said about the activity, like his wife would get out of bed and she would see a shadow low to the ground on her side of the bed. it made sense that's where the dog would sleep and so when we finally put everything together it was like you don't have some crazy you know human spirit in your house that's, that's you know doing things you what you have is either a remnant of your dog or the dog itself we don't know what it is but everything was canine like in behavior and then when he saw that shadow and immediately said oh my gosh that's my dog like that's what my dog would do. That's when we knew, okay, yeah, we're totally dealing with something on four legs here, not two. And so that's probably one of my favorite investigations because it completely calmed him down. He he went from being on high alert to, okay, I'm not so worried now, <laughs> and that was a good thing.
2: Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you hope people take away from from reading your book?
3: I just want them to understand that the paranormal is not something to be terrified of that it's not something to be scared of, you know, like we talked about with Hollywood, everything's negative, negativity sells. You know, just because you hear footsteps downstairs doesn't mean that you're about to be possessed by a demon. <laughs> yeah. Just because Zach Bagans has got scratched on an investigation doesn't mean that they're all bad. It's it's really something that we should experience more of when you take into account the the total population of Earth since the beginning of you know, upright, sentient beings, that every square inch of this place should be haunted. And most of the time we don't notice it because we're going about our daily lives and we're extraordinarily busy. But that when those quiet times happen at our homes or our businesses, and there is a strange noise, always look for the rational before you accept the irrational. And then when the only answer is paranormal, that's okay. It's not something to get upset about. It's not something to get angry about and it's something to accept and just, okay. So yeah, that was uncle Fred. Thanks. Saw you. Appreciate it. I'm going to go about my day. You go about yours and there's nothing wrong with it. Well,
2: I I love the book and I really appreciate, I know when I can speak for Mike and Dave, we we all really appreciate you sending us each a copy of it.
3: Awesome. Well, August 1st is when the second one will be out and I will send you guys copies when those come out
2: (laughs) awesome cool and then we'll we'll have you back on then
3: great that'll be great but i I really hope everybody i hope whoever you know if anybody buys a copy who's listening i hope you enjoy it and please let me know if you did or even if you didn't i'll take i'll take all commentary negative or positive
2: where can people get the book
3: um it is available through order through amazon barnes noble it's available as a kindle Nook. It's available through Apple's iBook. Um, I can send out signed copies. Um, IndieBound.org. You can buy print copies through them and print copies through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. And on my website, afutureghost.com, I have links to where it can be purchased. And yeah, pretty much everywhere.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that that's super cool mm-hmm. too, do, doing it yourself, uh, self-published yeah. and getting it out there like that. That's really cool.
3: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
2: All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this, do, taking the time and, and talking to me about everything.
3: Definitely. And thank you guys for reading it and having me on and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. All right. Well done, Ian. Thank you. That's how you conduct an interview. You're like thank a you. professional interviewer at this point.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's like, <laughs> He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fucking ain't right <laughs> I am. I,
2: I like, I, I actually really like doing the interviews. Yeah. I could do that all like Art Bell. I would love that fucking job. I can just sit there and open do lines. Uh, open lines,
0: Ian. Friday yeah. night. I just... picture Ian when we're not here. He's like hunched over the table, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> hitting my uh, my thing, <laughs> talking to these people, hanging up on them if their connection's bad or if they didn't turn their radio down <laughs> in the background. Lauren in Iowa, you're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was well done, and thank you again to uh, Heather Dobson for for doing that. That was great really appreciate it, and for sending us the books again her um uh, book memoirs of a future ghost uh, and you can find her at her website afutureghost.com. she can also be found on Facebook and instagram at a period future period ghost and on Twitter at a future ghost hsd so go ahead and reach out to uh, Heather and uh you know check out the website and you can uh, purchase her book through that it's really good. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a good read. Yeah, very yeah. entertaining.
2: It's available on everything too, which is I thought is super cool, super impressive, being self-published and being on, I mean, like, on Amazon and
1: all the, all the major booksellers. Yeah, and
2: like uh, the like the Apple, uh, the iBookstore, or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, very cool.
1: Yeah, pretty cool.
0: Not bad at all.
2: With our enormous fan
1: base,
0: I suspect books are gonna
1: be flying off the shelf this <laughs> afternoon. So get ready.
0: Yeah everyone out there who's listening go reach out to heather follow her on the socials check out her website buy her book uh let her know you heard the show and and how much you think of it and uh how well ian did doing those those interviews
2: yeah and we'll try and post those uh those youtube videos that she that we talked about in the interview
0: okay we'll get those out there all right see you guys sunday so uh oh, get, well sorry. you patrons <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow for a bonus show patrons we'll see you tomorrow and then we'll see the rest of you on sunday for uh, part three of john van A. ramsey as
1: soon as you get out of church listen to the new show that's what i do yeah me too all right
0: bye <laughs> <laughs>